Welcome to Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Join us for an in-depth look at Iowa agriculture. Here's your host, Riley Smith. Welcome into this week's edition of Weekend Ag Matters. I'm Riley Smith. Russ Parker, Dustin Huffman, and Mark Magnuson will join us later on in the show. As for right now, let's start with a quick look at the news headlines. The Iowa Corn Growers Association is proud to be a partner for the first-ever NASCAR Cup Series race in the state. The Iowa Corn 350, powered by ethanol, will showcase ethanol's performance at the fastest short track on the planet, which is surrounded by cornfields. I am pleased to share why choosing higher ethanol blends benefits everyone, says Stan Nelson, president of the Iowa Corn Promotion Board. We can make a sustainable difference today without buying a new vehicle, but by simply choosing instead to fuel up with ethanol at the pump. He also says ethanol is the most affordable fuel option on the market today. The race will take place at 6 p.m. Central Time on Sunday, June 16th of 2024 and be shown live on the USA Network. This race will give us, as farmers, a platform to share the benefits of ethanol, says Jolene Reason, president of the Iowa Corn Growers. Iowa Attorney General Brenna Byrd filed a motion for summary judgment regarding the Environmental Protection Agency's failure to respond to a request to sell year-round E15 in Midwest states. Iowa and six other states filed an opt-out request that would allow them to sell E15. Growth Energy CEO Emily Score says biofuel leaders have been more than patient. For over a year past the statutory deadline, they've waited for the EPA to follow the law and allow them to make E15 available in their states year-round, she says. They have been forced to return to court to compel EPA to do something it was required to have done by July of 2022. SCORE also says in its continued decision to illegally delay acting on the governor's request, EPA has cited fuel distribution concerns that are greatly overstated. It's a low-carbon fuel that saves consumers money and is better for the environment, she adds. In other news, the Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship and the United States Department of Agriculture Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service have confirmed a case of highly pathogenic avian influenza in Mills County. The affected site is a backyard mixed-species flock. Commercial and backyard flock owners should prevent contact between their birds and wild birds. Sick birds or unusual deaths among birds should be immediately reported to state or federal officials. Biosecurity resources and best practices are available on the Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship website. If producers suspect signs of HPAI in their flocks, they should contact their veterinarian immediately. Possible cases must also be reported to the Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship at 515-281-5305. Again, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the recent HPAI detections in birds do not present a public health concern. It remains safe to eat poultry products. As a reminder, consumers should always utilize the proper handling and cooking of eggs and poultry products, including cooking to an internal temperature of 165 degrees. And the Iowa Farm Bureau held its annual meeting this past week. From the Farm Bill to Proposition 12, the Iowa Farm Bureau has asked its members to step up in a major way this year. Iowa Farm Bureau President Brent Johnson said he's been proud to see just how well the members took care of business, especially with another year of excellent membership growth. Well, you know, it's... it's seems like it's always a busy year you know there's there's a lot of issues that always seem to pop up and 
you know, one thing that part of my message um, in the general session is going to be um, really, really proud of our membership this year. You know, we've this is a year where we've actually turned the corner, it seems like, and our membership has grown a lot. We've asked a lot from our members and they've really stepped up to the challenge on so many different categories and so many different asks. So, you know, our members across the state are getting involved in their community. They're supporting their local boards and they're, you know, just talking with legislators what making trips to Washington DC there's just so many good stories that our members are are involved with and this annual meeting is just an excellent opportunity to to celebrate their accomplishments and you know and and it, and it really caps off with a really a, a really nice membership growth year so you know we've got we've got a tremendous stack of wins um, that are always fun to look back on and you know those opportunities that um, or challenges that are still ahead of us you know the, the farm bill is is certainly a top of mind for a lot of folks we've got um, some state-by-state um, lawmaking situations you know interstate commerce proposition 12 kind of conversation so you know there's always these things that that are um, need to remain a focus, but you know our, our history shows a high level of engagement, and I'm I'm excited for the year to come. That again was Iowa Farm Bureau President Brent Johnson. And that's all the time we have for news headlines this week. Check out the rest of our daily news stories on iowaagnet.com. And while you're there, go ahead and sign up for our daily newsletter. We'll go ahead and kick it over to Russ Barker with his faith-based food for thought here on Weekend Ag Matters. I listened to a news story earlier this week about a premature infant born weighing not quite two pounds, as I recall. A nurse's interview was part of the story, and she described all the challenges that they were facing. And she finished by saying, but the child has a strong heart. Well, what does a strong heart really mean? Is it that the heart is physically strong, or is it about the will to live, or maybe both? There are so many phrases and idioms that use the word heart, and each expresses a condition of the word heart. For example, after my own heart. Obviously, that doesn't mean that there's a physical need for a new heart, but rather someone describing wanting to have similar interests or values. Or another example, Randy Travis sings a song that includes the line, to the hard rock bottom of your heart. Again, the literal translation is not at all what the song writer is trying to say. In this case, the obvious meaning is hard-heartedness, a lack of feeling or empathy. As a young boy, I remember reading about Richard the Lionhearted, who was king of England during the Crusades in the 1100s. At first, I thought he somehow indeed had a lion's heart, and that is what gave him his courage, like the lion in the story of the Wizard of Oz, a young boy's imagination running wild. But obviously, the lion-hearted describes his style of leadership. I listened to a message in church the other day, which also included the word heart. It was the form of a question, what is the condition of your heart? And it was asked in the context of how do we communicate with other people when we talk to them about Jesus Christ. And while the message was largely about strategies of engagements, my thoughts went back to my earlier examples that we should all consider. What is our will to live and for whom? Are our hearts strong and for whom? 
Whose heart are we after? Do our hearts have a hard rock bottom, or are they flexible and pliable? Do we have hearts for leadership, and where does that leadership take others? So for in at least these few minutes, change our hearts, O God, make them ever true. Change our hearts, O God, may they be like you. You are the potter, our hearts are the clay. Mold us and make us. This is what we pray. Food for thought, I hope. This is Russ Parker. Have a blessed day. Now that harvest has wrapped up and temperatures have plummeted, farmers are finally able to take a breath and catch up on some year-end tasks in December. This month is an opportune time for farmers to reflect on what this year has provided after a long year of challenges to overcome while growing crops and raising livestock. December allows farmers and producers to take note of what they have learned over the past 12 months and make plans for the future of their farming operations. From all of us at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, have a happy holiday season and remember to take some time to enjoy yourself in the company of your friends and family after a long year of hard work. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's your host, Dustin Hoffman. Welcome back to Iowa Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. I'm Dustin Huffman. Well, we got to talk last week with Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag, and we talked a little bit about his trip to Great Britain on a trade mission there. And now we find out that Deputy Secretary Grant Menke from the Iowa Department of Agriculture has also been on a trade trip, this time down to Columbia. And he visited with us to tell us what he saw, heard, and what they talked about. All right, so we, we talked with your boss about his many trade trips he gets to take. And I know he was just recently across the pond himself. And But you were just down in Columbia, I understand. And tell us a little bit what you were doing down there and what kind of things you were talking about. Well, we had uh, uh, organized by the Iowa Economic Development Authority a great opportunity for a 20-member delegation of Iowa Ag commodity organizations and uh, protein uh, exporters uh, to uh, have a one-week trade mission to Columbia. Um, so it was a great team. We had folks from Iowa Corn, Iowa Soybeans, Iowa Farm Bureau, Iowa Pork, Iowa Beef Industry Council, Midwest Premier Foods and Berkwood Farms all together um, and spent a week in Bogota and Medellin and just to explore possibilities for how we can take a real free trade success story in Colombia and take it to the next level. Um, we're currently number four. Um, Colombia is our number four destination for U.S. corn, number three in ethanol number six in pork, number eight in DDGs, also uh, ranking high in terms of soybean, soybean meal, beef as well. So we're, yeah, had a great opportunity to meet lots of people and businesses in Colombia and see how we can do more business to promote Iowa agriculture to the benefit of our farmers, of course. Now, of course, maybe remind our, our viewers here about the trade situation we have, the agreements we have, and, and why it's important now to be going down there and just kind of strengthening those relationships. Great point, Dustin. So the first time I visited Columbia was in 2012. And at that point, we had very little trade with Columbia. Um, later in 2012, we had a free trade agreement signed. And so the last... 10 years has really been a free trade success story with that agriculture trade relationship between the U.S. and Colombia. 
And over that time, we have seen tremendous growth. Um, as an example, we've seen uh, between 2012 and today, we've seen over 400% growth in exports of corn, of soybeans and pork to Colombia. We've seen 300% growth in soybean meal, 300% growth in DDGs and over 900% growth in beef exports. So the message is clear, free trade works. Um, we are a, uh, a quality, timely, safe, reliable supplier of high quality products here in the state of Iowa. And so this opportunity showcased ways in which we can continue to even grow that partnership further in the years to come. So politically, I know we've heard that there's some, well, they have changes in administration and leadership there, just like any other country has. And so I know there's concerns about free trade agreements and, you know, what was the message you were able to, to, to talk to and give to these, to the people down there, those decision makers? Well, we certainly expressed our gratitude for the free trade relationship that we have. And I would just say on that point, it is a relationship that has worked for both nations. Like we've seen skyrocketing ag exports, exports from the U.S. to Colombia, but during that time, their exports to the United States have also skyrocketed. Uh, their leading products, they export over $2 billion worth of coffee to the United States and also over $1 billion of cut flowers. So we actually have a trade deficit with Colombia. They actually uh, send $700 million more dollars worth of ag products to us than we do to them. So it is a relationship that works both ways. But as you mentioned, Dustin, they have had a recent administration change. And one of his pillars coming into office was that Colombia needs to be self-sufficient in corn production. Right now, their corn production is about 1.7 million metric tons. Their demand is approximately seven and a half to eight million metric tons. So they are a long ways off in terms of being able to supply their corn. And I would just remind the viewers, they're producing 1.7 million metric tons. Our harvest that just wrapped up is about 386 million metric tons. So in terms of the scale here, um, they're, I mean, they're not even close when it comes to our ability to produce and supply that quality product. Um, and, uh, you know, some might think, well, you know, they're close to Brazil, close to Argentina. Why aren't they just getting all their corn from there? And they're getting some from there, but there are some real infrastructure challenges where right now shipping corn from the Gulf in the United States to one of the ports in Colombia is actually half the price that it actually costs to move product across the country. So we have a, uh, a transportation advantage, we have a production advantage. And again, we're great at producing corn, pork, beef, soybean, soybean meal, ethanol, DDGs, et cetera. So it's great that we can supply those products to them and they can take the products that they do best, flowers, coffee, avocados, other things and send them our way. So free trade is a great thing for both nations, for farmers and for consumers. You know, that's interesting that you brought up about how it's cheaper for us to ship there. You know, people, when I was in Brazil last year, you kind of saw that everything that they ship goes to the southern, the southern ports, whether that's Sao Paulo or Rio de Janeiro. But the thing is, they have to then go up and around. You can't go through the Amazon rainforest very well and very efficiently, and especially when they're trying to protect that land, but also it's just dense thicket. 
It'd be like basically trying to move a ship from Houston, Texas, all the way around to Duluth, Minnesota by via water. Yeah, you could do it, but it's cheaper to go right down the Mississippi River, you know, distance-wise, you know, you would think, than it is to go around a whole continent just to move some corn. Yep, that's exactly right. And that we got to see that infrastructure uh, challenge uh, in in full effect. And and while they're working on some improvements, I mean, they don't have a rail system in Colombia at all. So, I mean, and we asked about, is there, you know, visions of, of uh, getting rail back going as a mode of transportation? And they said, yes, but they have other more pressing challenges um, before they can get to that point. Um, just one other thing I wanted to mention, because I know both of us, Dustin, are, are fans of eating food. Um, during this time, we really, it was exciting to see our U.S pork and beef uh, promoted and and sold at grocery stores, at meat markets, at restaurants. Um, so we got to eat uh, plenty of U.S. pork and beef while we were down there as well. And it really impressed upon me just the importance of those partnerships, certainly with the USDA Foreign Ag Service, U.S. Meat Export Federation, U.S. Grains Council, U.S soybean export council all of those organizations and the the checkoff organizations like iowa corn iowa soybeans you know iowa farm bureau not a checkoff organization but other important organization uh, iowa beef industry council iowa pork those dollars that go to those organizations to help open up and expand markets for our products seeing that in action and seeing it working was really, really exciting. And uh, that's definitely one of the, the things that I will bring back home is partnerships are so important when it comes to growing markets for our products. And we as a productivity powerhouse here in Iowa, as we continue to produce more on less acres in a more efficient manner, we are going to need more markets for our products. So places like Columbia are gonna be great destinations for our products today and in the years ahead. All right, that's Grant Mankey, Deputy Secretary of Agriculture here for the state of Iowa. Grant, thanks so much for taking the time to visit with us. Always a pleasure, Dustin. Thank you. That's all for segment two here of Weekend Ag Matters. We're going to take a quick break, and Mark Magnuson will be in to wrap up the show next. If you thought soybeans were only used for tofu, think again. From tires and adhesives to next-generation asphalt, soy is used to create over 1,000 industrial products and counting. Thanks to your soy checkoff investment, the sky's the limit for Iowa soybean farmers. Oh, and speaking of skies, did I mention soy is also used in sustainable aviation fuel? The Iowa Soybean Association, powered by the soy checkoff, is driven to deliver for Iowa's 40,000 soybean farmers. Learn more at IASoybeans.com. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here is Mark Magnuson. I'm joined today by Charles Barron from Farmers Business Network. He is the co-founder of FBN. And Charles, I know you're very excited right now to talk about 
how much more affordable chemical prices are for our growers and especially, you know, our growers in Iowa, they are always on the leading edge. So I'm sure they're very invested and involved in FBN and knowing exactly what's coming from FBN. But could you tell us about the chemical pricing outlook for 2024? Yeah, we've just released um, some new data on FBN. Um, so looking at both member prices that members have submitted as well as technical ingredients coming in from suppliers going all the way back to the raw technical, you know, coming internationally. Um, you know, you've seen the chemical market go through enormous volatility over the last year. We had uh, last two years really a huge spike run up in, in 2022 in prices and then prices come down very steeply and producers are sort of sitting there going, okay, when, when is the right moment? Should I be, how, how much should I be trying to game this and be playing, you know, playing uh, the, the potential volatility? We've seen prices now hit either their historical lows in the, in the major active ingredients or even below historical lows. So uh, glufosinate, for example, is at near all-time lows. Uh, so effectively, you know, we, we really think the bottom is, is, is basically here, the capacity that's been built into the system, the, the supply that was built into the system that was driving that price decline is, is now there. We think the market is really set for producers to say, okay, there's a lot more confidence in that this is, this is a good price index and good price floor. This is a good time to buy. You're going to go through a more normal pricing year in terms of pricing continuing to increase as, as farmers get uh, closer to season and get closer to need. So we think this is a good time for farmers to lock it in. Um, you know, there's not as much expected volatility uh, or risk to the to, to missing out on the uh, uh, the downside as, as farmers were worried about last year. And Charles, for those who don't know, FBN offers Acre Plan, which helps you to get kind of all of your ducks in a row, get everything lined up that you need for the season. Could you explain how that process works? Yeah, Acre Plan's a brand new technology we just released uh, this year. So what it does is it, it allows you to look at your whole year pass by pass. You can build a pass and we're our agronomic team can actually build and pre-construct a pass. So whether that's, you know, for uh, 2,4-D um, tolerant soybeans or glyphosate tolerant corn, we can build a specific herbicide program for the crop for the full year. And you can pre-select every tank mix and every chemical that you're going to need to apply and line that all up in one simple tool, line it up for acres, rates, and amounts, and then you'll see exactly what your chemicals are going to cost for the whole year, and you can even purchase it all right then as well. And then it all comes tailor-made for you ready to use, essentially. It, it effectively, we're, we're, we're making it super easy for a grower to purchase and plan each tank mix and each pass all at once up front so they can see exactly how many of each product they're going to need. So the math of calculating out every product and the amount of acres and, and the rates and, and all the potential substitutions, that that can be just done online very, very seamlessly. How have farmers responded to that? Have they been just over the moon excited about it? Because it seems to me like something that would make their lives so much easier. Yeah, we just just came out with it a few weeks ago. And so we've already started to see uh, a lot of you know interest and, and excitement as, as farmers are starting to use it, which is great. Um, it's obviously the kind of thing that people will start getting used to as part of their, their normal uh, working planning. So yeah, this fall, we're, we're expecting great things. I had a chance to speak with Dr. Brian Dorsey at FBN, and he was able to tell me all about the new Perfectus feed system. That was very interesting. And for our viewers that haven't had a chance to check out that interview, they should because it was very interesting. But Charles, for those who don't know, could you tell us about Perfectus? Yeah, Perfectus is our, our new line of feed, which basically is an amino-based diet that really focuses on 
balancing correctly around the amino program and the ability for the, the cattle to, to really uptake uh, the nu nutrition as opposed to trying to uh, overload on the macro uh, nutrients. And so what we found is just, you know, just tremendous results in terms of improving uniformity of cattle, improving overall daily gain, improve, uh, reduce death loss and mortality, and improve carcass value. And so when we've been getting the uh, uh, results back from the packers now, we were able to quantify a total value per head created of $127 per head. So just across the board gain. So what Perfectus is, is actually it's a, it's a diet system. So it's both an approach to balancing the diet and its products, um, specific amino supplements that can and be added to the, to the ration. And so when a producer works with FBN, um, they can work you know, on a balancing basis. We'll work with them. Uh, help set the diet as well as you know provide the uh, supplemental products. And is Profectus in operation right now? Is it available? It's live and ready to go. It's it's primarily in the central Midwest, so um, Kansas through Minnesota, South Dakota, North Dakota, Iowa, uh, Nebraska. Is there anything else you'd like to let our viewers, our listeners know about when it comes to what FBN's working on? Because I know you always have about 50 different irons in the fire. There's a lot. There's a, We have a big new program in sustainability. For anyone who's doing regenerative agriculture or interested in sustainability, um, we've expanded our partnership with ADM's Regenerations program pretty massively this year. Um, that program is going to double to being uh, available to over 3,000 farms. Um, there are payout or incentives for regenerative practices that are uh, available up to uh, 10 to $25 an acre. And so over the past year, through the ADM programs, um, we have uh, helped deliver over $22 million of premium programs to farmers, the direct incentives. So uh, this past year, this, based on the success of the last year and the you know, well over 1,000 growers who participated, um, ADM has been wanting to double the program. Um, so that's really tremendous. It, it covers uh, dozens of ADM facilities around the country. So if you deliver grain to an ADM facility and you are doing regenerative practices, you absolutely should come to the FBN sustainability page so you can see what programs are available to you which are elevator specific. So you would see which programs are specifically available. You can enroll in those and then you can integrate your ADM account with your FBN account which takes just one minute and then all your scale tickets and transactional closeout information are all right there in FBN. So you can get enrolled in the sustainability program and manage all your grain transactions. And I have seen that in action and it is very user friendly and it is cool to see. So definitely check that out. He is Charles Barron with Farmers Business Network co-founder. Charles, thank you so much for the time here at Trade Talk and have a great rest of the show. Thanks a lot. That was Charles Barron of Farmers Business Network. And that wraps up segment number three and this week's episode of Weekend Ag Matters. You can find this episode and all of our previous episodes of Weekend Ag Matters on the podcast page of our website, which is found at iowaagnet.com. For Russ Parker, Dustin Huffman, and Riley Smith, I'm Mark Magnuson. Thanks for listening and join us again next week for Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, where Iowa Ag Matters.